What's up, everyone? This is Josh Vigran, and you're listening to Between Movements. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Between Movements. Today I'll be talking with fellow musician and entrepreneur Ryan King. He is the founder of the Ryan King Trumpet Academy. His teaching methods have been used in university curriculums, most recently the University of Utah, as well as in DMA dissertations. This year one of his students won the 2019 National Trumpet Competition, and we're going to cover several issues that confront modern musicians as well as discuss some unique approaches that Ryan has created to navigate those difficulties. So welcome to the program. Thank you. Entrepreneurship is something that's been talked about a lot in music circles. Uh, We're one of, I think, maybe the first generation who, especially of musicians, where it's being pushed so much. Um, And that's partially because I think the business model of music, it's become much more difficult to be a musician, to make a living as a musician, in the classic sense with the online streaming services and everything. Um, And so people are trying to make their own businesses. I think that's one reason you were thinking about this Trumpet Academy, right? Yes. um, When I was thinking about this Trumpet Academy, it didn't actually start with wanting to become an entrepreneur or, you know, I didn't think, okay, I can make like a billion dollars through this or starting with these kind of intentions. It really started with, okay, how can I do my best teaching? And I just envisioned myself doing my best teaching. One thing I noticed was I was teaching in the public schools. I couldn't teach past 5 p.m. Well, I want to run an ensemble, you know, have my students go to the National Trumpet Competition, not just to compete, but just to have the experience to play together in an ensemble. We have a good time. We laugh. We have fun. It's, it's all good. Wanting to do this kind of thing, thinking, how can I do this? running into roadblocks where I found, okay, well, first of all, if I were to start my own beginner students the way I want in a beginner class, and I've actually talked to school districts about, you know, if they want me to do their beginner classes, I will do it. I'll be a part of the process. I like it done a certain way. And that's important to me just because of the end result, just because of what I want to see happen. So with entrepreneurship, I think I was, with that idea, I started thinking along those lines and I found Williamson Music was able to work with me in terms of lesson space. They recently bought out a music academy company where they have four additional locations where it's six locations all across the Dallas Metroplex I can work at. I like that. I like being able to teach the way I want and that's where it started. That's where the whole idea started. How can I teach the way I want? So wanting to have my own beginner class was the first idea. And then thinking, okay, if I did my own beginner class and then I asked each student for a reasonable rate, I'm not charging $80 an hour, charging nearly half of that. But if I get 10 students or 15 of those in there, and then if I run three or four classes, you start running the numbers and, oh, I can make a decent living. Not like I'm making like what a doctor makes, but it's like, it looks like if I get 60 students, I can make a decent salary. That would be like a business salary. Now this is all in the phase where it's ideal because it's a startup. I've not gotten to that point, but that's the dream. So I understand that you have some differences in your approach to trumpet teaching, several differences in fact. Um, Let's go to one example. 
So the example of external versus internal focus, can you explain that idea a little bit? Well, the reason why I stick to the school of thought, I um, was taught by Dr. Carl Sievers, who was a student of William Adam. He taught trumpet by having the students imagine the sound. And there was less really um, focusing on the embouchure. In terms of like when I teach young students, you know, I noticed there's an obsession of getting their face to look exactly like what we think an ideal trumpet embouchure should look like. And that is for an understandable reason. We want to set them up correct. I think every method in general starts with very ideal intentions. So in terms of with embouchure, you know, we want to get this exactly right because we think trumpet playing will not work if we don't get their embouchure and their face to look correct. So this is where it starts out with young students where I do a very basic setup in the very beginning. I have them say M just to put the lips together. Then we wear it's on the right part of the lips. And then I start playing and they start playing and then they learn through imitation. And if they mess up or if they, you know, a note doesn't come out, I'm not trying to diagnose and fix things right away. That's the difference because they're going to find it. If they imitate me enough, they're going to find it and they're going to get a good sound and everything's going to work right. So what it sounds to me like is you're avoiding micromanaging every mm-hmm. physical mm-hmm. movement, right? Yeah. Rather than telling them do this with your lip and this with your face and this, it's just a back and forth. I think that the students really like this approach more. They find it on their own. And oftentimes, you know, I play a note and then they play and then it's not quite what they want. They have a look on their face. Like, let me try that again. Instead of like, now I should talk to you for 20 seconds. They don't want that. They just want to try it again. So it's all through imitation. And in terms of setting up the face, you know, I think the subconscious mind through imagining the sound, such a powerful thing. I think maybe one of the differences I believe in the subconscious, I believe their subconscious is good enough to make this work. If you were to say, well, I don't think trumpet playing can work this way. The only thing I would say about that is, do you believe that the subconscious mind is good enough, is capable enough to perform in this kind of way? I believe it is. And I think maybe I just have a little bit more of a belief that by imitation of sound, they can pick this up instead of now I have to correct them on what their face is doing. The interesting thing is, if you ever want to write me and ask for examples of this, I could show you students who... I did not tell them how to position their face, how to position their corners of their chin and their embouchure ends up shaping like a textbook embouchure. So it's how we think about the cause and the result. I believe the embouchure in the face is caused by their imitation of the sound as opposed to we're causing their face to look this way and then they get a good sound. I think it works better the other way. So that's how I teach it. An example you gave was, Uh, There was a quote, I don't remember who it was from, but the quote was something like, it's a good thing parents can teach their kids to walk before they can explain to them how to do it. The Unium of Tennis, a classic book. It's fortunate that children learn how to walk before their parents can teach them to do so. So one point on this is that they're learning trumpet in a more subconscious way, just imitation of sound. They have learned so many other skills in their life on a subconscious level. And then we just transfer that to trumpet. Then they learn trumpet the same way. Um, You know, when you're learning how to talk, your parents aren't teaching you how to position your tongue in your mouth, right? 
to produce the vowel E? I mean, do you have to raise your tongue up to do that? Or do you just, do you imagine the sound and then you pronounce it? I don't even know how I do it. Like if I'm trying to pronounce a vowel, I have to like think about how What I'm if doing you it? would have been taught how to do that? That would have been a messy situation. Or even like walking, learning to pick one foot up at the same mm -hmm. time you're balancing. And it, it never ends. In fact, if you keep thinking about all the muscles involved, pretty much using every muscle in your body, you can't control yep. it, right? It's just, the, the point is the goal, right? You, the you goal. have a goal. And this sort of leads into a different topic that you've uh, talked about at length, which is mouthpiece buzzing, which I understand is <laughs> quite a controversial topic. In fact, very, you, very. You put the, was it like hashtag politics, religion, and mouthpiece buzzing? Yeah, I mean, why don't, if we're doing this, why don't we just start a podcast on politics? I mean, while we're at it, <laughs> same level of controversy. So why is it so controversial? What, what's, what's going on there? It's interesting because I think you know, the conversation is not so simple as it's always made out to be. A lot of times we think in terms of right or wrong. And so I think that mouthpiece buzzing has stuck around because... Well, you know, on, if let's, you let's back up a second because some people might not even know what we're talking about. So mouthpiece buzzing, basically you take the mouthpiece out of the trumpet, mm -hmm. you buzz into it to try to create sound and mm -hmm. pitches, but it's not inside the actual instrument, right? And that has a couple of meanings within itself. So, so it's you're already... basically playing, yeah, play, playing the instrument, like, but you're just playing the mouthpiece. You're playing a much shorter tube. So if you play the exact pitch on the mouthpiece and then you put that in the trumpet, you're centering the pitch better. You probably get more overtones. You're playing more in the dead center of the note. So in that way, there's a lot of enhancement that goes on. Professionals use this. The very best players and teachers use this all the time. The other side of the issue and where I focus on with beginners, I noticed that sound production in beginner trumpet classes across the U.S., if we were to drop into a random middle school and we were on week like three or four, when they're learning to do the most basic element of playing the trumpet, which is sound production, it would be a disaster in most places in the U.S. Now, the good news is where I'm teaching in Dallas, I've noticed there's at least an improvement because of the conversations that we've been able to have. The conversations that have seemed so divisive, that have been so controversial. The fact that we've had these conversations, I think has made some people think, okay, well maybe there's some bad side effect that could happen from this. You know, a doctor prescribing a medication would maybe call it a side effect. They wouldn't say this drug absolutely works 100% of the time. You know, in this case, it could produce this side effect, right? Well, in a beginner trumpet class, if you're having them buzz long, long notes to start out, that's the basis of their very, the very basic element of trumpet playing, producing a sound. I've worked with many students now from the high school level all the way to sixth grade. And I've noticed that sometimes there are students in ninth grade that you have to clean up major sound production issues. I mean, these people have been taught for three years and they can't produce a sound. When I was in sixth grade, I was a beginner trumpet player in uh, Northwest Arkansas. My parents were working with Walmart, so I lived in Bentonville. <laughs> so I was in a beginner class and we started this way. We buzzed the mouthpiece. The whole class sounded bad and we didn't really like it. And our teacher, in order to get us to like this, said, you know, I'm going to put a poster on the wall that says buzzing is fun, you know. <laughs> Maybe because of a lack of substance, we were going to make up by a poster and a slogan on the wall. So through this experience, it really shaped me and how I thought. And then I found it was very interesting later that there was a whole school of thought. I was just this silent kid in this room who found that I didn't really enjoy doing this. 
and then somehow there's this whole school of thought that doesn't mean that I don't believe in people who sit next to a piano, play the exact pitches and buzz the notes. If they're getting ready for a recital or my student Madov, who won the national trumpet competition three weeks before the competition, we were buzzing some pitches to get the exact notes out. So not to say that I completely am against it, which is one thing about this topic. It seems like we can never have a moderate discussion. There are the absolute people who are against it, and there's the people who are for it. And also the word buzz itself, the terminology of it is confusing because in one way it means to buzz your lips together. This has been confused in many regards where I've seen people who they told me that they were for buzzing and that meant buzzing their lips together. But does that mean mouthpiece buzzing or does that mean the terminology itself has been confusing because it has meant multiple things. So when you're talking about this topic, it's important to define exactly what you're talking about. A lot of the topics that you've talked about here aren't really limited to just trumpet. They touch on a lot of larger issues in education through basic primary school, elementary, middle, high school, even into secondary education and college. That's one of the things that I've been quite interested in. I've had the idea of creating sort of trade school for musicians, one that is focused on creating job opportunities, cutting the cost, cutting the amount of time, and just focusing on really what do you need to be successful in today's market. It's something that I think doesn't exist, or at least I've never heard of it. Um, and it's funny because when I was in high school, there was a sort of negative connotation for a trade school. It's like, oh, you're not smart enough to go to college, so you're settling for trade school. Yep. The irony is now most of my friends who went to trade school are far better off. I have a cousin who went to trade school. He's doing great. Makes yeah. near 80000 a year. And no massive debt. You didn't right. graduate with tons of debt right. and lost time, and now all of a sudden you don't have a career and you got to figure it out. you got to get a job. And What's interesting about creating your own thing, like you were talking about, is that if you want to make a change in the education system, you'd have to get really high up. Just to get anything done, you have to go to through get anything multiple done, offices. It's easier to start your own thing. And then if you were to th first think about what is ideal, what should it be like? If you were to first start thinking about that and then you were to compare it to the current model, you the two wouldn't match up. No, it doesn't. I, I like to look at the historical model for this and how classical musicians originally learned it was more of an apprenticeship where you study with the teacher they you go around you follow them you learn their art form their craft and you go and you play a lot one of my old piano teachers nina lolchuk who studied at moscow conservatory always used to tell me i i don't understand why you only play one concert a year why why is school like this why do you have so many classes and papers you don't have time to practice and moscow created some of the best the world's greatest performers in multiple instruments. So I think if we're not looking at the models of success, what are we doing? <laughs> we're but if you were to look at the models of success and you were to try to change it in the current model, oh yeah, I think the ideal, like with the liberal arts education, it sounded so ideal to begin with in terms of we create a well-rounded student. Now, if we created a student who was very well educated in one area, I think they would want to go explore the world and they would go learn about other cultures, you know, but the current model, once they get the grade, they're all good. They don't need to learn anymore. That's a trait of students nowadays is they, once they get an A, 
it kind of tells you you've arrived. When do you arrived in your education? Education is something like you can't finish. Our current model doesn't teach you that. The lifelong learning journey, obviously. If it were true that getting A's would guarantee success, then it should be the case that the better students get the better jobs, but we all know Probably, <laughs> yeah. that doesn't quite work out that way. I think because it's not really even focused on getting you work anymore. What's the end goal for your music sight. major? Should you have a mediocre sound and you got A's in all of your um, liberal arts classes? Cool. You got a 4.0. Okay. Who cares about that in the music world? To start with, you know, the person who hires you for a studio gig, do they care? And so when you're looking at seeing the end goal, the end goal in mind, how much does it measure the end goal? How much does it value that? Does it start with the end goal? It should. Does it? It should. It and should. That's, that's it should. my idea is, is of creating. An, uh... If you create a music school, you could first start by thinking about, okay, how should it be? And then you could plan backwards from there, right? And you could do that in a lot less time than you could change a current university or education system. And that's not to say that school can't do anything for you because we all um, were able to benefit off the foundation. Oh, yeah. In terms of trumpet playing and trumpet teaching, I mean, how I practice my fundamentals, everything, I would not be able to do anything without the foundation I was given. Right. But then you go into, well, if you're training a musician for the 21st century, does our current model match up? Because even if you're a professor who has, who, have, who has great ideas, you'll probably go to faculty meetings and you'll be frustrated from all the other professors I've talked There's, to. There will be downsides to this thing. Like, for instance, you won't have a rec center that's like a, right. a country club. And you someday, won't have a dorm someday. room with uh, ping pong tables and pool tables. <laughs> and a The full ping pong bar. tables. It's so, <laughs> you know, once you tour the university and you see this beautiful layout, okay, we can go play tennis one day, ping pong tables, right? How often will you take advantage of that to begin with? Also, I mean, yeah, you won't have that, but I think a lot of people would see the point in your school in terms of, parent would see the point in terms of what's the cost? What's my kid gonna get out of this? How long are they gonna be there? And all these other factors, um, I think that, you could start a music school now with the end goal in mind and people would flock to it eventually because right now there's really not any other alternative. If there isn't another alternative could be a game changer. The other thing too is what would get people to join is having reputable staff. Um, you know, the thing with music, if you have someone you want to study with, who's really great, I don't think you're going to care if they're at a particular university or if they're at this trade school. Well, like a lot of I times in people, music study, you go somewhere to study with someone, right? That could be part of your curriculum in terms of, you don't have to hire a full-time teacher on staff. That's a big cost, right? And that's mm -hmm. a big commitment. Well, you know, I live in Dallas where I can go, I can go take lessons with, a lot of really good trumpet players in the Dallas Symphony, some of the best in the world, all right? Mm -hmm. Your students could go off and go take lessons with these people, you know, could pay them for individual lessons. That could be part of their curriculum. So that's just an idea of you wouldn't have to commit to one faculty member, right? Right. I mean, there's a now, lot. Now, would a university ever be able to be flexible enough to do this kind of thing? Would that happen next year? Would that happen in five years? What about 10? The easiest thing, like we've been talking about, may just be to create your own. Yeah. That's what the system's taught us, right? 
Absolutely.